When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got a man to play the right into it. It's Andy Campbell! It's in! Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero! A superhero! Breakthrough! It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City! Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. This is a special edition of the Andy Campbell Football Show Extra. The show is available live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter, Stroke Periscope. And uh, of course, Ace Podcast Nation, you're home to many great shows featuring top guests, experts, analysts and more. So please follow us on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can find the links to all of those and more in the description below as well as the closing credits. And you can follow the Andy Campbell Show at AC Footy Show. And that's everywhere, every social media platform that you could think of. And uh, just as we wait for the for the chat and everything to fill up, a quick and uh, important shout out, first of all, to Black Diamond Sports for their help and support. Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media pages, uh, links in the description and the closing credits again. They've also got an incredibly nice new Flash website, which uh, I believe is it. Well, no, it is in the description because I put it there myself. And uh, check it out. <laughs> I, uh, I encourage you. I was making out like I've got like a social media guy who does it for me. Oh, I did it myself. Um, and of course, thank you to Darren Ralston and Bespoke Financial for sponsoring today's show which is the Andy Campbell Football Show, and we're just going to have a quick word from them. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch, and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. And of course, a big thank you to uh, Bespoke Financial. Bespoke uh, Financial specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, mortgages and sports cover. Check out their uh, website, their social media, all of which is in the description below. Uh, tonight we have a slightly different show. as uh, There's no championship football, so no championship show tonight. Uh, we're going to be discussing refereeing in detail. From VAR to goal line technology to the referees, be, 
referees being demoted from the Premier League to the Championship when they're terrible, uh, as well as everything in between. Oops. Joining me to get into this controversial, yet a little bit fascinating subject. First, we've got uh, the goal collector, my usual co-host, the, the host with the most, they may say, ex-card city in middle for a striker, Mr. Andy Campbell. How are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm in the middle. I think it could be a bit of a... Bit of a slanging match. I can just, uh, I can just keep you apart. I think it's gonna. This is gonna be hilarious. By the way, I'm really looking forward to this. This is. Uh, I've not had a. I've not normally had a good word to say about referees, but I think, I think at the minute referees are. Um, uh, referees are taking a bit of a hammering, and rightly so. I think in it, and we're gonna go about it later on. But I, I, and I think it's gonna play into Jeff's hands a little bit that how strong refereeing was uh, back when I played than it is now. But we'll, uh, we'll, go, we'll go into that. But yeah, really excited. Really excited about tonight. Indeed. Um, just before I bring Jeff in, a little bit of uh, sort of, what would you call it? Gardening, whatever you want to call it. Um, sadly, uh, our guest for Monday, Keith Gillespie, which we were really, really looking forward to. He can't make it anymore this Monday, so he's going to come on at a later date. Uh, but I am delighted to say that uh, we will be joined by former Scotland international, ex-Middlesbrough, and former assistant manager at Hibs, Mr. Robbie Stockdale on Monday. Yeah, that should be a good good chat, mate. I'm looking forward to that one. Be interesting. Yeah, as uh, yeah, I'm gutted that Keith can't make it, but he's uh, he's coming on again. It's just one of those things he couldn't make. But uh, yeah, delighted to uh, to have Robbie come on Monday. Um, he did make a joke of uh, saying he's been waiting for this, waiting for his invite for so long. But hey, mm-hmm. uh, he's got a great story to tell. He had a, he had a really good career. Um, Englishman playing for Scotland, so we'll see how, we, see how that one that one pans out. Um, but wow. no, he's uh, he, and he's still he's still doing doing bits now with. Oh, Andy, your sound's gone, mate, completely. You still there? Andy, your sound's gone, mate, completely. I can hear a word you said then. Um, joining us is uh, one of the top referees of his time. He went toe-to-toe with footballers like Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Steve Gerrard, Vieira, Dennis Wise and more. And I'm very happy to welcome former Premier League referee, Mr. Jeff Winter, to the show. Welcome, Jeff. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, Jeff. Great pleasure. Great to have you on, finally. Uh, this is going to be an uh, uh, edge of the seats thing, I think. I think it's going to be uh, very controversial. I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting, mate. Like, not that I've got a bad, re- bad uh, opinion of referees in the current climate, but um, I have been banging on about about it for about 12 months at least that uh, the refereeing has been absolutely terrible in pretty much every level yeah well it's not it's not you can't say it's been good oh red card already this is going to be this is uh, terrible six minutes in red card jeez what's going on Simbin, done already <laughs> well that's it though and that's part of my problem actually which we'll get to is I feel like they're very, uh, a lot of the referees these days, they're quite weak in terms of they do, they let, they kind of let the players push them around a little bit. Whereas, like when you were refereeing, the players were a lot more aggressive in their attempts to intimidate referees. Um, I don't know how you, if you'd agree with that, but um, you know it's not difficult to find loads of photos and videos of yourself and other referees being surrounded. I think it's a totally different game now, you know, 
it's a different game with the players and everything, the finances, and most definitely, it's different with the referees. It's never been easy for the referee at the highest level. But, you know, I sometimes think now with the last big questions with the Admiral Biden on because it's, it was a different world then, different games changed. And I think some things that happened on the football club, like you, like other fans and players, I think, what the hell's going on? And, you know, I don't honestly know at times when I'm equipped to talk about refereeing and the game in the present era because it's changed so much. You, you rightly say in our day, a player said something to you, and referees like me said something to them, that was the end of it. Um, Choice words said, bear out. But that, then it was over, it was done, and it wasn't about cards, it wasn't about you know, discipline and video technology and everything else. But the game is, I mean, I, I think it was out in a long, long time ago, but it seems lightness because the game is so different now. I think, Jeff, though, I think that's a concerning bit for me, that when, when you've just said there that you don't think, you, in your opinion, you don't think you're, you're qualified enough to, 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 to give your comments or speak about um, the good and the bad, what, what, what are happening about refereeing, but, you know what I mean, and, that, and that's my concern, that people who've, who've been there and done it think that they are qualified to do it and, and talk about it, and, um, I, you know, I don't know if other viewers are, are aware that Jeff used to come into Middlesbrough's training ground pre-season and tell us about the new rules what are getting implemented in the Premier League, um, he also came in and refereed the few behind closed doors training games and things. And like Jeff said, things happen on the pitch, which sometimes should just stay on the pitch that um, Jeff would get a bit of stick, he would give stick back. And that's where it would end. You know what I mean? Jeff would quite quickly shut players up and bring them down to size and, 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 uh, and embarrass them a little bit. And instead of just brandishing the card and sending them off, which I just think is just a, a cowardly act sometimes, just give it back, forget about it, move on. There's certain things that you can't ignore, and I totally agree. But there's not every not every incident is a yellow card, is a talking to, is about the referee, and and, and I was I was more gutted that you weren't allowed to referee our games because obviously with it being a Middlesbrough fan, it obviously wasn't allowed. But I think that was when you when you have so much respect for a referee and you don't get to be officiated by that referee, it's just it's just not it doesn't seem fair sometimes when you get stuck with some of the others. I don't think if I was, I mean, if I was refereeing nowadays. I don't think that last five minutes. They honestly don't. The style, and you know, it wasn't just me, there was other referees um, around at that time. And I'm not having a go at today's referees, because they can only do what the bosses tell them to do. You know, I think a lot of the problems in the game aren't with the referees, but with the interpretation, the laws, and what they have to do. Because if you don't, the referee's no different to any other employee. If you don't carry out the boss's instructions, you're out. You know, so you'll see, you know, it's like I'll give you a daft example that's been in since my time. Show me a referee who believes that he should partially play for removing the shirts. Mm. No one no, wants yeah, yeah. to do that, but they've got to do it. Yeah. You know, they're the rules, it's no different than working in a bank or working in a factory. If the rules are that you must do something and you say, Well, I'm not doing it not going to be in a job. So, you know, sometimes the referees get the stick. I'm not defending it, but it's not really their fault because those are the instructions. And, you know, the style that we had in our day, you know, I see it nowadays when 
I've now, I'm now not a wrestler. I'm a fan. I'm back to being what I was before I started refereeing. And I often ask the audience, but at the highest level, when was the last time you saw a referee smile? Mm. When was the last time you saw a little bit obvious banter going on between the player mm. and the referee? And yeah. now it seems as if the authorities don't want that. And to me, man management is the most important aspect of any referee. Because you use the word respect. And if, if a referee has got the respect of the players, he's got no chance of destroying that game. And that's what I'm excited about being a different game now than yeah. what it was then. I think that goes both ways, though, Jeff, as well, though, because I, I, I don't think as well, you know what I mean? You're on about, you're on about laughing and joking. I don't think players have the respect for the referees that, that they used to have and they don't have a, have a laugh and a joke in the tunnel. There used to be loads of banter flying about yeah. ready before a game. There's not that anymore. There used to be loads of banter um, in, the, in, the, in the coin toss. It doesn't happen anymore. It's all quite serious. It's all because I don't know if the cameras are, are intimidating. But, and, do you think that's... Sorry to interrupt you, mate. Do you that's think all. that banter before play, between players... Do you think that's changed with technology as well in a different way, whereby they all do it via text and WhatsApp groups and and things like that because they don't want to, they get crucified, whatever they do. Where, you know, whether, the, like, look at Paul Pogba, for instance. Whenever he has a laugh and a joke with the opposing player as he's, you know, in the tunnel or after the game, he either A, gets told he doesn't care, B, gets told, you know, he's, he's not taking it seriously, or C, he's trying to engineer a move to... X, Y, and Z. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's difficult because if, if Jeff stood in the tunnel and me and Jeff are having a bit of banter and, and I lose, it looks like I'm not focused on my game. If Jeff gives me a decision in my favour, it looks like that I've influenced yeah, the decision. So I, I fully understand why it doesn't happen, but I think sometimes it's good for the it's good for the just the whole environment of it. it, it it's it's not a game where you know what I mean like like the fans aren't as close as players, players aren't as close to referees, linesmen as they used to be. We used to used to be first name terms sometimes and. And, and the respect used to start there, and it just doesn't now. And I also think it doesn't because of, I don't think players, I think players do know that the referees are the person in the middle of the stadium, but they're not really refereeing the games as much as they should, well, as, in, in my opinion, as much as they should be doing because um, yeah. you've, got, you've got somebody in a stand or somebody in a, in a room somewhere who's refereeing a football match. So how can, I have a, how can I have a conversation with Jeff in the middle of the field? If, he's not, if he hasn't got a clue what's going on because he's waiting well, for I'm, his boss to tell him. So... I agree with you, Andy, on that one, and I cannot get my head round. It's not a case of the referee wanting to be the big I am, but if you are the referee, refereeing 22 footballers, and, you know, you were coming at me, what's happening, ref? Hang on a minute, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, it's a penalty, and I'm sending you off. But it's not me that's giving the penalty, and then I've got to deal with the players after that, and Reprimand, yeah. Him you, you, what you sent him off for? Jeff, what about... Sorry. I uh, just don't understand. Because I'm not out there, I'm not doing it nowadays. I think, you know, your control, unless the players have now sort of realised, well, it's, don't have a go at him, it's not his fault. It's somebody that's watching a video screen. Mm. I think VAR could be helpful. But I just don't think it's being used in the most efficient way. I agree. And totally agree. I, I, totally I agree. You know, it's almost like the ref with the decision and the referee's going, I don't know. I don't mm. you know, ask him, he'll let us know. And, and I don't understand why. It seems to be happening in other countries. I don't know why somebody at Stockley Park can't say, Jeff, I think you'd better have a look at that. 
And then if I'm going across, I'm looking at the screen, and then I'm sending you off, or I'm giving the penalty, I think that's much easier to sell mm. than the referee out there in the middle just being a puppet of the system, really. I totally agree, Jeff. I think I, I, I would love to see referees go over and, uh, and, and look at their decision. So if you, if you send someone off and someone says, I think you need to look at that again, look at it again and say, yes, I made an error of judgment or the other way around and say, yes, sending off, I only give a yellow. And someone's, someone's giving you that little bit of time to, to think about your decision instead of saying it's a red card and you are going to get the red card out. Because I, I've been all for referees coming out after a game and doing an interview about why you made this decision because players have to do it, managers have to do it. So for me, um, referees potentially could have to do it. But why should a referee have to come out at the end of a game and explain a decision which wasn't done by themselves? It, it just, it's madness so, really for me. On that subject, Andy, you know, I mean, during my time, the authorities used to sort of, they didn't want you to go on after a game. But if you as a referee decided to go on, the sort of background attitude was, well, on your own head, be it, you know. Mm, if yeah. you say something and do it, get it wrong, we're coming down like a ton of bricks. But the other side of it, you know, is that if somebody wants to speak to you after a game, they're not wanting to speak to you about the 99 decisions you made in that game that were good. They're not wanting to speak to you about the advantage that led to the goal or the good management that kept the player on. They want to watch you talk to you about an incident that they've seen in slow motion how many times because they're of the opinion you've got it wrong. Yeah. So, you know, a referee coming straight onto the telly after the game, to, you know, the referee is made to look a little bit of a fool because if everybody else has seen it in slow motion and it wasn't a penalty and you've given the penalty and you ask me, well, why did you give it? I can tell you why I gave it. You're not like laughing, thinking, well, shouldn't he have seen it first? And, yeah, you know, I totally if agree. If I'd totally seen agree. the hero of it, I've got to be honest and hold the answer and say, well, look, from where I was, it looked like, you know, it looked like the defender got the ball. And mm. But now, having seen it again, I realise I got it wrong. Now, I think that actually helps the referee because he's showing he's, he's human, he's showing he's honest. Um, mm. But the media don't want to talk about
me wrong in saying this, but I thought it was like where the referee has made a mistake and sometimes, like, you know, if something happens on the blind side of the official, the Thierry Henry famous handball, where he's cleverly handled the ball out of the field of the referee, let's have the AR, mm. let's correct that big wrong decision. Now mm. it seems as if still errors are being made and VAR isn't changing them so we're not getting you know we're not getting the decisions right which is what it was all about let's have let's have it mistaken um, well that is what it's supposed to be about it's completely be. um we got some cracking questions already in the chat which i'm gonna circle back to in a minute i just wanted to circle back to something which uh, you said uh, a few minutes back jeff about the the referees not wanting to be necessarily the you know the big i am or the center of attention but what about uh, referees like Mark Lattenberg, who seemed to thrive on the attention being on them, and people feel, whether it's rightly what, or wrongly... What makes you, Simon, what makes you say that? Well, what in why you, I think... You, you, you obviously watch the game of football now, and you can, you can mind-read, but you, you've got an opinion. What, what gives you the impression that the, if a referee's got the balls to make a big decision... He wants yeah. to be the centre of attention. Well, no, no, if no. I don't necessarily mean about balls, that, though. If he hasn't got the balls to make the big decision, then he's a coward. He's bottled out. You know, a referee in my day and a referee nowadays, he can't win because he's never going to keep both sets of fans, both sets of players happy. If he does make the big decisions, I mean, I'll, there's a name that I thought you might throw up. Um, Beginning of a couple of seasons ago, Mike Dean was giving penalties for pushes and shoves, and everybody who'd been saying before there's too much holding in the penalty area, referees should clamp down. But all of a sudden, Mike Dean comes out at the beginning of the season, gives half a dozen penalties, and then people are turning around and saying, Oh, it's Mike Dean, he wants to be the centre of attention. Now, hang on a minute, you can't have it both ways. No, I agree. I, I, I agree completely on that point about Mike, Mike Dean because people was like say they wanted the holding to stop and then when they start tried to stop it they moaned. Um, my issue with Mark Clattenberg is that I feel like um, he would almost make situations worse or more hostile or something which was maybe nothing turned into like this big drama because of the way he handled it. Um, now it might have been you know it's just his personality maybe. And that combined with the certain players maybe riles him up a little bit. But he was the one referee to me over the years who sticks out as someone who who thrived on being controversial or the centre of attention. Or he was a bit kind of came across. I've never met him. I never spoke to him. And I would I gotta say I would love to speak to him and I would love to interview him. Um, but he came across a certain way to people. You know, I've never met him. Well, I, I'm watching, he came across like, I'm surprised. I can think of many referees over different generations that you could have mentioned as mm. you thought he was this and you thought he was that. Um, Matt Clattenberg, and this is just a matter of opinion, he yeah. didn't come across to me in, in, in that manner. Um, and I, I don't know why we're talking about him because he's been, a, he's been finished for about God knows yeah. how many years now. He must be the Man United fan in me, I suppose. Well, I was going to say, because usually, <laughs> you, usually, usually when someone's got a gripe about the referee, they go 
great thing, the greatest thing about football fans, I'll go on the after dinner circuit now and someone will come up to me and they'll go, I'm never going to forgive you. And I say, what's that? <laughs> the day you did this, the day you did that. And I'm saying, football on, fans, don't about, forget. Wasn't that about two, two, 1998, 1999? <laughs> he said, it was. I remember it, 1999. I said, well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad to see you've got over it then. <laughs> and, um, you know, when, when people have a pop about referees, quite often, and it doesn't happen about me as any other referee, it usually comes out of the fact that they don't like that particular individual because back in the year dot, they give a terrible decision in, in the fans' opinion against their side. Mm. So from that day on, that referee's crap, that referee's useless, he's arrogant, he's everything. And when it all boils down to everything, it stems from one penalty decision 25 years ago or something. Yeah, so, football, anyway, football fans have got long memories, we'll beg, haven't they? We'll beg to differ on that one. Indeed, so I'm sure we won't. I'm sure it won't be the first time in the next <laughs> next 45 minutes. But um, I tell you what, anyone in the live chat, am I wrong about the way Mark Clattenburg came across? Maybe it's just me. Um, but I'm open to open to opinions. Probably most things are just me. Um, all right, let's have a look at some some chats, some live chat. We've got some cracking questions, um, some strange questions, some some questions nonetheless. Uh, let's have a look then. Uh, Leslie Coates says, "Question for Jeff." Were you supposed to referee the cup final the year Middlesbrough got there and you had to miss it because you were from Middlesbrough? Well, there was a strong rumour that I was going to referee the Carling Cup final that year or the, whatever they called it back in, the, in that day, era. And Middlesbrough got to... I remember the second leg at the Riverside, Middlesbrough-Arsenal, of the semi-final. And... One of the bosses from the Football League was there. Middlesbrough have won. I'm ecstatic, like Andy. Middlesbrough lad, born and bred, but our hometown team. And I'll be honest with you, hand on heart, if you'd have said to me at the start of the night, Middlesbrough can get to the cup final, or you can referee the cup final. I was a Borough fan long before I was a referee. I'm a Borough fan a long time after I finished being a referee. And I was more delighted People were thinking, oh, aren't you disappointed you missed out on the League Cup final? I tell you, some of that day down at Cardiff when Middlesbrough won the Cup was one of the highlights of you know mm. my life, let alone anything to do with Middlesbrough Football Club or refereeing. So, and as it turned out, fortunately, come the end of the season, they gave me the FA Cup final. So to be quite honest, I won on both. Uh, yeah, you, you certainly did, Jeff. On, on, on that then, Jeff, how did the how do they decide who gets the games? Is it is it on performance? Is it on experience? What's what's it on? Well, in my case, it was my appointment of the FA Cup final. In, in some people's eyes, was quite controversial because, for some bizarre reason, um, the powers that be in the FA usually only want the referee of the cup final to be some to be someone who's on the international list. I so whilst whilst I'd be refereeing top games every week in the Premier League because I wasn't on the international league, uh, international list, they wouldn't want you to get the cup final, but what you said there I think that particular season the marks that I'd been given must have hopefully warranted it, so they the, the decided to give me it, which was brilliant because it actually turned out to be, because in those days you had to retire at a certain age yeah. So obviously I've got the thirty-five, and um, they decided I was ready to go. 
and um, you, you, you bought that U2. I'm quite fit. You sat there with a straight face. I was obviously a little bit older than 35, <laughs> but I'd, I'd, hit me, I'd hit me time and age, and I had to go. So it was the last game of my career, which was another thing that the authorities normally wouldn't be happy with because if you're one of these self-centered controversial it's all about me referees that simon accuses some of my former colleagues of being, then they wouldn't really want you to do the fa cup final as your final match because you know what, what make it all about you what a chance to make a name for yourself <laughs> you know not yeah. you could, um, you'd sell a few books on the back of that wouldn't you so, certainly would Jeff yeah. but also also Jeff as well Lord, they also had to pick a strong enough character as well because obviously Millwall I think were in the championship as well I think um, in the game so it was a big game for them to try and put one over United um, and obviously Dennis Wise factor the Roy King factor you know that that when those two come to blows at the best of times or the worst of times it's always going to be a, um, a, an incident but you know what I mean so they had to have somebody as well who was going to be strong enough to handle these kind of players because you know what I mean we, we, we talk about the Vieiras, the Vinnie Joneses, the Roy Keynes, etc. But you've got to be some kind of person to stand in the middle and officiate and look after those kind of lads and those kind of players. Well, to be quite honest, if you're refereeing at Premier League level, every referee should meet that criteria that you've just said because it's not just about an FA Cup final. You know, the, the, the previous week, a team could have been fighting to stay in the Premier League or fighting to get into the Champions League. And everything you said there about the attributes needed to referee the game should be the same for every game. Now, you know, getting back to what Simon said earlier, and I agree with him totally, um, and what you've touched on as well, you've got to have the personality, you've got to have the strength of character, you've got to have the courage. Otherwise, you might as well not go on, not go onto the pitch. It just seems in a different, and you touched on it, Andy. You know. The game is different now. Life is different now, you know. There seems to be a lot more respect. There seems to be a lot more banter back, well, back then. But back I also the, think... Back well, in the day, I, Jeff, they used to call refs sir, didn't they? Back in the, like in the 70s and 80s. But it used to be more prevalent in Scotland. Um, you know, if you were doing a pre-season friendly, and funnily enough, the lads I've been out walking with today, we were talking about, you know, when Falkirk and... Dundee used to come down to the northeast, and they'd have a training base near Durham and they'd play against non-league teams in pre-season games and as a referee you'd go out there and you know the English teams the players are calling the ref ref or if the New Year Jeff or if they weren't happy with the decision something a little bit stronger but all the Scottish players used to say hey sir you know when they call for penalties or a point or something they'd always call you sir and it was it was a little, like a little bit unnerving because you've done all your games and you've not been. I also think as well. Oh, is he gone? Yeah, I think someone's just. I also, I also think as well. I think, um, I think in terms of um, in terms of games, we were on about Champions League game there. The, uh, sorry, the FA Cup game there being obviously the years ago, Jeff. I think it was the pinnacle of the the players as well. It was the biggest game nowadays. Staying yeah. in the Premier League is probably a bigger achievement, and the Champions League and. and uh, trying to achieve that so like you say now every every league game is probably more important or on par with an FA Cup final so every well, game I mean, is an FA Cup final then slightly different subject but you know you've now you've touched on it to me the FA the FA Cup as a fan 
was always so so special. Oh, don't Jeff, because I've I've, I've been I've been a drum about it as a player. I've played in every 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 I played in every round, um, all the way up to um, I think semi final and final. Um, yeah. I was being, I was involved in both of them with Middlesbrough. Um, and for me, it's the most important football competition in the world, far bigger than the Champions League. Well, it should, I, it should I, have a Champions League place. The most exciting days of the football season, as a fan, and also even more so from my point of view as a referee, you used to like the opening day of the season, obviously, because you know everyone's everybody's going to win the league, everybody thinks they've got a chance. But the the really important days for me, and I always wanted to have games here, was the first round. Jeff's gone. I think someone's phoning him, so that's why it cuts out like that. But um, the thing is, Ant, yeah, the, um, uh, oh, he's back. Yeah, the, the first round of the FA Cup, and I remember one particular game, Bradford City against Burton Albion. And Burton Albion were, in those days, you know, a non-league team. And absolutely unbelievable atmosphere. You know, everybody's come from Burton. And um, special, special game. I remember another one, third round, because the next one is big important day to me, is the third round of the FA Cup. And I had West Ham United versus Emily. And, you know, Emily are a non-league team from near Huddersfield, down at, um, you know, down at uh, Upton Park, the bowling ground. And, you know, I think West Ham won 1-0 with a goal in about the 88th minute. And that was the magic of the FA Cup. And now, yeah. when, when you're seeing, I know for different reasons, but when you're seeing, you know, Liverpool being forced really into playing their under-23 side in the FA Cup and teams using, and, and what's it going to be like this season? With, you know, the number of games being played, you're probably going to have teams that have got one team for a Carabao Cup and an FA Cup and a totally different team for the league game. And mm. it does sadden me, but again, that's something that's changed and... I don't think we're going to do anything to change that back again. I think it's all, Jeff. And I love that comment because you've uh, you just said it there. And, and, and for me, that, that, that's the joy of the FA Cup that you get to you get to referee low league players, low league players, and non league players get to get to be refereed by um, Premier League managers. And it's just a, it's just an amazing thing, an amazing opportunity. So for me, it, it's the magic, and it makes it special for players, referees, fans, clubs, teams alike. And, um, for me, it needs to be brought back, and it needs to be brought back in the in the in the best possible way. Um, figures are made. They've completely bastardised the FA Cup. Um, I believe it's when they went to when they let allowed United to miss the year because of the World Club Cup. I don't think it's ever been the same since then, because the top clubs since then have viewed it as maybe third most important, and I I still believe. That really they don't. The top clubs do not care about it until they reach the semi-final. Uh, uh, up till then, it's just it is what it is. They don't care. Um, yes. So, and I find that a bit frustrating, mate. Um, so I tell you what, mate. Just while we wait for Jeff to come back in, um, we'll have a little chat about some of the stories from this week. One, one which caught my eye today, which was like, you know, it's it's just rumours, isn't it? The transfer windows open, but uh, a certain Mister Ronaldo. Yeah, linked, with it. A, linked with a move back to Spain, but mm. not to Madrid, to Barcelona. Nope. They don't need him though, do they? Unless they sell Dembele to you know, United or someone. Do they need him? Do, do they need him? Do they need him? No. Um, but how old I, is Suarez though? 
I think he, he's well in his thirties, isn't he? But I, I, I look at the I look at the picture for Ronaldo though that he's he's achieved everything he wants in the game, and there's probably one thing he's probably missing, and that's playing alongside Messi. arguably the best player in the world. So for me, if he wants to go out on a on a real high and he wants to that's emulate it. something, that's I think that's the carrot, and that's the only carrot I can see because he's always competed against him. Um, would it work them both playing together? <clears throat> a time will tell. Um, they obviously can't score that many goals because they'll end up winning 10-0 every week because the amount of goals that they score individually, surely they can't emulate that together because that would just be ridiculous. But um, it'd, be, it'd be very interesting. you know. I, I, I do like them being separate because it, 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 it's, it's him versus him. And I think when they're in the same team, it can't be him versus him anymore because they're both in the same team, pushing the same direction. So it's, I think that, that's got to change. Whereas, um, And I still, don't, I still don't think you could have the debate of, of, of who's better. It's I don't think team. you can separate them. I totally agree. It's like Marmite, you know what I mean? People have their, have their opinions and, and for me, uh, it's all about goals, it's all about stats and um, and for me, it's, it, they're both different different players, they're both different type yeah. of players, they're both, both play for different types of teams. Barcelona playing in a certain type of way. Real Madrid uh, yeah. and um, who's he play for now? Juventus playing in a, in a certain type of way as well, so it's different, totally different. So yeah, I think... Um, I watched an interview actually. I came across it on Facebook, um, and they said um, it was. In, they interviewed the both of them sat next to each other. Uh, it was really a bit awkward because Messi doesn't speak English, and they did the interview in English. It was at the Ballon the Ballon d'Or awards, yes, yeah. so it was a bit awkward. But like they, they do actually genuinely seem like they got a lot of respect for each other, and they they seem like relatively friendly, as friendly as you yeah. can be when you've been at that point. They had been like rivals with club and and you know individually for what 12 13 years yeah i mean uh, listen they'll, they'll, they'll respect each other utmost you know because it's it's not easy doing what they're doing it's not easy playing football it's not easy being the best in the world it's not easy chasing each other and, i know mate i struggle and, with it every day you know and i think uh and i think when they come up against each other and one of one of them's getting an award it's out of, out of respect, the other one's going to get it because they've, they have been that good for for, for a, a length of years, and um, it's going to be a sad day when when they're both not around because who else is going to compete? Is it going to be uh, Mbappe against somebody else? Is it going to be him on his own? Is it going to be somebody new? I think they've they've, they've really refreshed football and, and and pushed it to another level. And whoever whoever does take the next mantle uh, is going to be under, under severe pressure because they're always going to be compared to those two. Likewise, those two have always been compared to Pele and uh, Maradona. The thing is, do you think they they not only they changed the game in terms of you know both being so good at, at the same time? We have never really seen that where you've got two players who are that good, but it's the levels that they've done it at. Not just one season of scoring for like fifty goals; it's like season after season they both score like fifty goals in all yeah. competitions. Now. I don't think, like, even if say Mbappe goes or you know turns out to be the player he is, or Griezmann, or all these players who who look like maybe they have the potential to go on and be something, they um, I don't think they'll necessarily reach those levels because I think those levels that Ronaldo and Messi have set are so high that I think the players who win the Ballon d'Or in the future they won't necessarily reach those same levels. Will 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 people be able to do it for the periods that they've done it for? I, I'll say no. Now I, I don't believe there will be. Now I, I seen a picture of Ronaldo the other day on his uh, on his holiday, and he's made a stone. You know what I mean? He's absolutely made a stone. He looks, you know what I mean? He, he looks like a twenty one year old. 
and Ridiculous. for somebody of his age to look after himself, to um, to stay as fit as he has, um, to be a, 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 a dad, a family man, you know, and listen, this, it's not easy all these things coming as a young man and all the pressure which goes with it, all the stress, and you know what I mean? Yes, he's, he's, he's well paid and things, but he's, he's under pressure, he's in the limelight, he's not allowed to go to the shops like, like we are, he's not allowed to do certain things like we are, and it's... Um, he deserves all the credit and all the all the plaudits he's, uh, he's he's got in his life, and you know what I mean. And Messi as well, you know that he keeps himself a little bit more under the radar, uh, but he's just as good, if not better. You know that the, the the comparisons is is different, and um, and we'll have to go, we'll have to wait and see. Indeed, mate. Indeed. Um, yeah. I'm. I tell you what, Ant, do you want to um, just mute your mic and give Jeff a ring just to see if he's. Uh, struggling with something because I don't know, you know what's 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 what yeah, leave, as it, it were. Leave it with me. I will now do it now. All right, mate. Um, in the meantime, people, if you want to send in some views and questions and stuff, which I'll answer while he gives Jeff a ring, see if Jeff's all right and stuff. He might be struggling to get back on, but um, once uh, once Andy's back on now, we're also going to talk about the, uh, the the Champions League and the Europa League uh, for this week. It's been really interesting. I gotta say. I'm really glad to see the back of Atletico Madrid because I find them absolutely mind-numbingly boring to watch. Um, I really like Leipzig. Uh, only, it's mad though. Leipzig only formed 10 years ago, their first Champions League semi-final. Um, I would love to see them get to the final, maybe even go all the way. I was a bit disappointed to see uh, Atlanta crash out. They nearly got to Paris, but uh, they just couldn't uh, couldn't get there in the end. Uh, the Champions League side has been, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed with it, to be honest. You know, I, 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 yes, I know that, that, that UEFA wanted it to get done and they wanted to put it in the same country to play like a World Cup format, but uh, I don't know. For me, the teams are flying to Portugal anyway, so they could have just flew to um the representative countries fly and play the game and, and, and fly it back. Cause I, I, I just think it just takes a little bit of it. And uh, when you've got um, Atlanta, for example, you know what I mean? I think if it was on their home ground, even with no fans, I think they would have been able to um, probably hold out for that draw, which they probably deserved and needed. And um, Because I look at a side like Atlanta and I feel really sorry for them, for them Si, and I feel really sorry for them because they're probably going to lose half their team because they've really overachieved this year. Um, all their players are probably going to move to bigger and better clubs in, in and around Europe, Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, etc. So next season they're going to be probably left quite short and it's going to be such a shame for those kind of teams. But for individual players, they deserve to be playing at the highest level because they've, they've had a really good season. And likewise, Leipzig as well. You know, we, we looked at Leipzig last night. But they won yesterday's game without um, uh, Werner as well. So it's, uh, it's an, an amazing achievement. Amazing achievement. Do you know what? I think that's absolutely disgraceful, by the way, that they're in the Champions League still playing and Werner was able to be sold. And then, you know, he's he's been part of their team all season. And then uh, I, I, surely I, I, the season I, has yeah. to finish before you can start you signing players. Like yeah, to well, me. well yes, yes and no. I think this deal was already done. I don't think they expected the season to drag on as long as it did. And, and, and for me, the amount, the, amount of money, the amount of money which is involved, Chelsea wouldn't have, wouldn't have agreed to pay that kind of money with a, a risk of an injury or a suspension. Or uh, there's loads of factors for me. Which, but it's not. Yeah, no, but, it's no club's fault. It's UEFA's decision. So they've got to take responsibility yeah. of it. And by the way, the Europa League was a lot better than the Champions League this week. 
I've got to say, it was much yeah. more enjoyable. Uh, the football was better. Atletico Madrid, I really cannot watch them any longer. They are terrible. Terrible to watch. Um, okay, let's go back to some questions because we had a couple of crackers, uh, Jeff. Uh, James Costley says, uh, Jeff, feel free not to answer, which is always a good start to a question. <laughs> but, um, I was getting my red card ready. We'll see. I will see what your answer is to these next couple of questions. I might boot you out. But uh, he says, "How much truth is there to Mark Halsey claims? Uh, Mark Halsey's claims that he had been told not to see certain incidents or give certain biases to certain teams in the Premier League." Well, obviously, I can't speak for what Mark says he's been told. If Mark yeah. says he's been told something, then why would he lie? Um, yes. You know, you can only give an honest answer. If I was never ever told, but then there was an expectancy. You know, when I refereed the FA Cup final, they saw people from the FA said to me before the game, as if I didn't already know this. I mean, um, I look stupid, maybe, but I'm not totally stupid. <laughs> um, this game's being shown all around the world. Is it? Yeah, the FA mm-hmm. Cup final. Are you sure? And what they're basically saying is, you know. They don't want controversy. They don't want, and I can understand this, you know, in any game of football, if you're booking someone for something daft in the first minute, you are putting yourself on a little bit of a a knife edge. But, um, you know, as a referee, you you can go into the game. If a referee goes into a game thinking, well, I'm going to send some players off today, he shouldn't be within a million miles of a whistle. But if you go into a game, sometimes, take for example the cup final I refereed. It was probably one of the easiest cup finals there's ever been to referee. You know, Man United won comfortably. There was a couple of incidents, minor incidents. So basically, I got lucky. You get a referee like Howard Webb who got to the very top because he was a brilliant referee. He referees the World Cup final. And both teams go out there with every intention to kick hell out of each other. Now, if you've got, as a referee, no matter whether you're the arrogant, the egotistical, useless, whatever you are, if 22 players are going out there and are not going to listen to you and are not going to take any notice, then you've got no chance. So, you know, getting back to your original question there, there's an element of common sense there. I don't know what Mark was told. He said Mark was a good mate of mine when we were refereeing, so I don't think he's making it up. But the authorities, for the good of the game, for the image of the game, they don't want controversy. But then neither does the referee. If something mm. happens, you've just got to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting I've, one. I don't know what an advantage question is. But well, like you say, you can't speak for what Mark Halsey was told. I just, I just but, don't see si, why, why why somebody would lie about it, you know. It's like it's, like it's a, a weird thing to out, lie about, isn't it? It's like a it's like a player coming out with um, in a book and saying that they kicked the ball out intentionally to, uh, to to win a bet, for example. You know, I mean that's came out of years ago. I think it was was it the this year's book or something that why would a player lie and why would a referee lie about something which which has been said or hasn't been said? You know that it's just a, an that's honest opinion point. once they've retired. I mean, you know, the only I mean? so thing I, I I said it then and I'll say it now. The only thing a referee's got now, you know, we had a bit of banter earlier on, and, and everyone, the great thing about football is everyone, whether you're the referee, the fan, it could be someone that doesn't have a clue about the laws of the game, 
but everybody has got is entitled to their opinion. Mm. So you know that's the thing that makes football. That's why we all love it. It yep. creates talking points. It creates controversy. Everybody's entitled to an opinion on it, and um, you know people don't like certain referees. People don't like certain players. That's what the game's all about. You know, have we have we lost that though, Jeff? A little bit that that it used to be a talking point in the pub in the dressing room about about having a referee, um, well, referee in the game. But now that's what now we've been, yeah, we don't we don't have it. Yeah, we don't have exactly. that kind of conversation. Exactly, that's what used to worry me about. I mean, if you're talking about goal line technology, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The goal is the most important thing. Is a goal scored or not? And that has actually helped referees because mm. you, you used to get that stupid statement that people used to make when everyone in the ground would see it was over the line. No, you couldn't. Yeah. You'd see it if you watched it on the telly in slow motion. But if you if you're in row one, hundred yards of it, you can't see it's gone over the line. And now with the goal line technology where you see a goal is given or not given by a millimetre. Yeah. And you know, the linesman, assistant referee or whatever they're called nowadays, is fifty, sixty yards away. And the ball's thrashed in at fifty, sixty, seventy miles an hour. You know the referee, the lionels had absolutely no chance on those mm. split decisions but now goal line technology has helped and it's made people aware how difficult it was um on that on that then jeff so um obviously the, the main talking point of the season has obviously got to be the goal or not goal of sheffield united against aston villa obviously it kept aston villa in the premier league no it didn't um, no it didn't did it not you did no, no it did no it, it did it did it didn't did you though because it was they, they went out on they, they stayed up on goal difference if that ends a draw right. if that's a goal they they lose the, they might have lost the game right what which... you're telling me is mathematically correct yeah but over a 38 Sorry. game over a 38 oh yeah yeah no, i agree with yeah. i agree with. over a 38 game season it was, it was the chances the goalkeeping errors the missed center forward shots on goal and a, a thousand and one other things because if it, it always people turn around and say, Well, that cost us the point. And yes, on that day, one team might have got two points, one team might have got three points. But why does a team get relegated over the at the end of the season? Because of the worst get, team. Oh, they didn't get relegated because the um goal line technology didn't work on for the first ever occasion. Why they got relegated or the team lost was because over 38 games they were crapping most of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's, but, easy, it's but, easy to point it at one. It's, it, it's like okay. in a game. Of, it's like in a game of football, and I'll I'll take the defensive support the referee stance on every occasion on this one. You know, in the 89th minute, it's hard for me to justify what I'm going to say now. In the The um, they say, well, that cost the team the game. What about in the fifth minute when somebody missed a set? Or what about in the 18th minute when something else happened? You know, during the course of any 90 minute game, there can be scores of incidents that if they'd gone differently, the result would have been different. So, of course, you know, but that, the I, I, when that technology fails. 
VAR has to step in and say to I the referee, agree with you. I, I mean, has that was, to. What's the point? Joke. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. But then on, on on that Jeff as well, though. So forget about um, forget about technology. Forget about goal line technology. Forget about VAR. Should the linesman have not done better as well? Well, on the, on the goal side, because he was he was he was that side of the net as well, was he not? If I, if I, I remember, he me right. I almost wonder, and I, I can't speak from experience because I've not been involved in this, but, you know, when I was an assistant referee before I got onto the referees list, you had certain responsibilities and th- certain things that you look for. I wonder now, with everything else going in the penalty area, whether the assistant referee isn't perhaps even looking to see whether the ball's gone over the line because... Because he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. There's a full proof. There's, there's two players barging from the section, holding shirts or not holding shirts. Is he focusing on that now? Because he doesn't need to worry about whether the ball's an inch or two over the line. Because we've got this foolproof system that for the first time, I mean, somebody quoted it with X hundred times it's been used. And on this occasion, it didn't work. But I agree with both of you on that one. But Jeff, doesn't that, doesn't that annoy you though that, that, that I watched the game because obviously it was the first game back. I was quite excited to have football back. I was unsure how it was going to work, uh, etc. But all I got, all I saw was the Sheffield United players berating the referee that even if it was over the line, it wasn't over the line. He's the last person who can see it over the line because of his where his position because he's not going to position himself on the line or behind the goal. So no, well, it's shouldn't like, he have used the technology though and said to because. Because the referees oh, but, yeah, can I'm ask saying, to though, see the screen. I, I'm saying though, because te- technology is like Jeff just said, it's foolproof, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's never had a problem in it. In it. I'm on about the players shouldn't be berating the referee. It should be talking oh, to the linesman. Yeah. Or, you no, know, but just... in the heat of the moment, who else are the players going to berate? You know, um, the problem, as I understood it, and again, it's not something I ever experienced because it wasn't there then. The problem was that the system, even though they've got the system, and I'm totally with you two on this one, if you've got something that helps you get the right decision, use it. But evidently, they're not allowed to, because that's what the laws say, the rules say. They're not allowed to use VAR. They're only allowed to use it for certain things. And goal line technology isn't one of them. So you can imagine the person at Stockley Park looking at the screen going, well, that ball's over the line, but I'm not allowed. There'd have been hell on in it with the FA and everything. If but they're not, use, they're not using it properly anyway. They're well, not we following what... So if they may... What did I say at the very beginning? I don't think VAR is being used, but that was not the fault of VAR on the night. Oh, of course. The, it's the they were not then. allowed to... Now, they should have been allowed to, you know, if I'm refereeing that game of football and I'm out there in the middle, I'm having a nice, easy game, the game's going fine, and all of a sudden there's a major controversial incident. If somebody, I don't care who they are, I don't care if it's a man on the moon, if someone can tell me categorically, Jeff, that ball was over the line, I'll accept that because it's it's crucial to everything. But because of the bloody stupid way that they have VAR, and, you know, that is where, for me, and that's the, probably not the first time, but we're certainly all in agreement on that, on that particular night, on that particular incident, they had something as a fallback, you know. Yeah. The first, I mean, the referee, I 
and I can imagine and feel for the referee on that night because the ball's gone in, somebody's appealed for a, a goal, the referee's looked at his watch, this wonderful foolproof system that's create, you know, taken away all the aggro over was it over the line, wasn't it over the line? And the players shouting at me, ref it was over the line. No, it wasn't. Because my watch is telling me it wasn't. Would you enjoy all this all this technology, Jeff? Would you would you enjoy oh. having goal line technology and be on every place? No, I, I I honestly am glad. I mean, it's like looking back, you know, you, would you like to be playing nowadays? Yes, I'd be I'd like to be a referee nowadays. Yes, I'd like to be younger. Yes, I'd still like to be as fit as I was. Yes, I'd certainly like to be earning the money that players and referees are now earning. But would I want to be involved in the game the way it is at the moment? Categorically, no. Because I, I don't honestly think. And when you say, I used the word earlier, and people could misconstrue this, when I talked about banter and fun, people started to say, oh, well, you weren't taking it seriously. It was just a joke. No, I'm talking about there was an enjoyment. It, it was a responsible job. But, you know, if you're a, no matter what job you've got, you can enjoy doing the job as well as doing the job to a high standard. I totally agree. I totally just agree. think nowadays I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy being part of it because if someone turned around to me and said, in that instance, you're not at all, like this season, you're not allowed to go across to the screen, you're not allowed to ask someone, well, what's that ball over the line? What's gone wrong? I'd have done that and I'd have got kicked off. I'd have been bollocked. Yeah. I've not done what their system wants you to do. But I think it, it, I think it is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more serious, Jeff. And I think referees. Yeah, I, I remember when I was injured one, one, uh, one time at Middlesbrough. And I went to Lillyshaw to do, uh, to do some rehab. And um, a lot, I don't know if you were there, but a lot of the referees, uh, Premier League, a lot of the referees were there. They were doing some fitness work and they were doing some work together. And they were having loads of fun. And I just thought that this is not a side where people see referees doing. They were all working extremely hard, all getting to a level. Um, that they wanted to do, but at the same time, they were being normal human beings because that's what well, they were and that's what they are. If you imagine, and I think there was an incident, um, was a bit on Sky a couple of years ago where um, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville went into one of the referees' training camps and um, they saw a totally different side of it. Now, you know, when you imagine the banter in the dressing room, that was the same with us when we were all away training. You know, the Mickey taking, you know, and I mean, if you've talked up on the Saturday, it's been on match of the day, I'll tell you something, as a referee, you're going to get more stick from your fellow referees than you are from anybody else, media managers or anyone. You know, they were absolutely cruel as anything with each other. Um, you know, and, and that sort of strengthens the character. It makes you go out and not not want to be in the limelight for the wrong reasons. Because, you know, the, the greatest thing from a referee's point of view is that you do your game, you come home, you go and have a beer, and nobody's talking about you. You know, no no referee in his right mind wants to see his name and splattered across the newspapers for having made this wrong decision or cost the team promotion or whatever. Um you know, and the banter is, it was nice when there was a little bit of publicity, because believe it or not, they are human beings. Yeah, and I totally agree. But also, you go back to that word, Jeff, and this respect, and um, I, used to, I used to love watching Italian football and watch Channel 4 on a on a Sunday morning, watch all the goals and see seeing, uh, is it, was it Luigi Colina? 
yeah. a bald headed referee who, who was just used to just his eyes and his and his persona and, and and he got total respect. You got total respect. Uriah Rennie used to really scare the life out of me every time he refereed me. But it was but it was with respect, you know, that the referees didn't take no nonsense from people and and I, I just don't see that now. I don't see the camaraderie between between individuals, people, players, managers, fourth officials. Well, it's it seems like a war every time. Maybe, it Maybe it's the way the game's gone, you know, because it's all telephone numbers now, isn't it? And also, you know, we've got social media now where everybody's an expert on not just football, politics, Corona, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Everybody knows everything when the truth of the matter is most people know bugger all about anything. Um, but everybody thinks they know everything. And with football and with with refereeing, everybody's an expert. Everybody. I watch football. The one thing that riles me more than anything about football is when you're listening to the commentator and you're listening to the pundits talking absolute crap because they're not even aware of the laws of the game. They're not. You know, there'll be a, there'll be an incident in the game tonight, and the commentator will be said. Well, I just don't understand why the referee has given that. And I'm like screaming at the television. It was a handball and they haven't seen it or it was offside or whatever. You know, there's, but everybody's the expert. The problem you've got now with football is that, you know, I'd go and referee a game in the Premier League on a Saturday afternoon. And if I was lucky, it, the bit that was controversial might not have been on match of the day. So it would go under the radar. Nowadays, everybody sees everything more. If you were sat at a football game now, and you know, from the stand, you think to yourself, that wasn't a penalty. But two seconds later, your phone's bleeping because somebody's watching it either officially or on a dodgy box somewhere, wherever they're watching it. And they, within seconds, there's a bus going round the ground because it was a penalty, or the commentator said it was a penalty. And, you know, there's a lot of things going on with the game nowadays that wasn't around in our day, Andy. So, talk about, while you're on that point then, so um, how influential and how good or bad are big screens showing incidents in the game? If that's a, 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 a good incident, a bad incident, a goal, something, you know what I mean? Is it, should it, should it just be for the score and the score only, or, or they should be allowed to do what they, what they desire to put on? Well, they can't, because the authorities won't let them, so any... The sort of thing, if you're sat in the ground, I mean, this has been the big criticism of VAR, that the punters in the ground that have paid the money mm. sat there clueless as to sometimes what even's being investigated. But, you know, if there's a, a, a situation in the game of football, they're not, or certainly in my day, they were not allowed to show that controversial incident. And, you know, the fact that the, the idea was that you know, there might be some fans, especially back in, in the day, you know, there could be riots in football grounds because, yeah. you know, well, the, yeah. referee, the referee's ruled out or given a penalty or something. It's shown on the big screen there and then. Mm. You're going to get a reaction. So, but, you know, times they are changing and we've got to listen to the punters. But we are, unfortunately, at the moment, we don't have any punters. And that's, prob that's probably a sad thing because football is continuing to go on without the most important people and the most important people after the players, and certainly not the referees, 
it's those people who go and pay to watch football every week. Were you happy, Jeff, with, with football coming back without the supporters being there? And um, I, know, I know, obviously, you, you've watched hundreds and well, you watch hundreds and hundreds of games a season, so, you know what I mean? So, what's your thoughts on not being able to go and watch anything at the minute? I think I've got a little bit used to it. And if you if you common sense, you say, well, let's look at the bigger picture. I mean, there's, there's lots of things going on to do with this, um, you know, pandemic where you can't get your head around, you know, got to go in a shop with a mask on but you can go into a pub you can go into a restaurant without one lots of things you don't understand but i mean i always believe and it's something i know after your pro days you were involved in the northeast in non-league football and i mean i was furious where you, you had teams you know let's look in our in our patch of the world you've got stockton town and redgar athletic that have won leagues um all bar few games to go, 20 points clear or whatever, and they don't get given the you know the title, then you get other leagues where teams are, you know, promotions, relegations, the future of clubs, the future of players that went for those clubs has gone out the window um, because they have decided on average points and that. I would love to have seen football um, continue or only continue when fans were back. But then we all needed football to come back. And if I've got to sit in the house, I'd rather sit in the house watching football than watching nothing. Yeah. My big fear is it's not for Rangers, it's not for Man United, Liverpool or anybody else. It's for the teams further down the pyramid, indeed non-league football, who absolutely survive, not on millions from TV, but no. survive on punters going through the going through the gates so yeah and that, and that's what gets me i've watched i've watched loads of games since this i've watched the scottish premier at the weekend i watched i watched the rangers game at the weekend um i watched championship football obviously when it was on uh i watched the champions league and football's just not the same and it's it's nothing without fans and i try to look at it from my own personal point of view that would i have enjoyed playing how would i have got myself up for a game i'm not saying i never got myself up for a game but it's the fans have an important part to play in that and, and scoring a goal how could i how would I react scoring a goal when there's nobody there? It's it's all this strange feeling for me. Well, you, you know, this, well, you, you get used to not celebrating a goal because bloody VAR decides yeah. whether it's in or not. Yeah. But, um, you know, I agree with you. You know yourself when you come back from an injury or one thing and another and you're playing for the reserves. You know, on my way up the ladder before I got to the Football League and the Premier League, Obviously, the, the, the level you refereed at, you refereed reserve team football. Yeah. I refereed Sunderland, Newcastle, and Newcastle, Sunderland, at St James's Park and Roper Park. And they did have a crowd in, you know, because it's a big, big game. But you're going through some of those games and you've got a pro that's just playing because he's not being picked for the first team, he's coming back from injury. And they're sort of looking at how long left Chef blow the whistle, for God's sake. They don't want to be out there. Yeah. Um, so it, it is different. But in all honesty, I think the players, despite the fact there's no, not been crowds there, I think I haven't seen too much evidence of people going through the motions. Because, you know, most games there is something at stake on, or there has been. Yeah. Um, and I've come on, I want to be back watching football as soon as possible, tomorrow afternoon if I can, please. But in the um, in the meanwhile, you know, the 
least we've got some football to watch. Well, we're on about football to watch. Seven, seven minutes gone in the game in the Champions League. It's past so one. I'm watching it on, on uh, Sky Q. I don't know anything. About oh, well, it. <laughs> well you've, missed, you've missed two goals. That's all I'm saying. All right. That's the old... Um, um, that's the old likely lads one, isn't it? Oh, you don't want to watch that. It was you don't want to watch that now. It'll be 0-0, Jeff, for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Jeff, to, to kind of finish this off, we're going to go through some of the questions which people have sent in, give a little bit of a Q&A towards you. Uh, so we've got Craig Sullivan asked, uh, right, right, right at the start of the show, uh, he said, what happened with the trial uh, where there was going to be, if there was any arguing with the referees, they would move the free kick forward like they do in rugby. Did that ever come close to becoming a thing? Well, that was way back in my day. But the, mm. Again, the authorities got it wrong because the only way you could move it forward was if you were cautioning a player. And I used to think, well, that's defeating the object. It's the whole idea was like in rugby. It was a deterrent. So, you know, you didn't show the yellow card. You moved it forward. And then you'd actually get players from his, you know, their, their own team turning around and saying, shut your gob, you know, you've cost us 10 yards. But yeah. on the other side of that, and, you know, what Andy touched on before, us going into dressing rooms, and Brian Robson was manager at Middlesbrough, I've gone in pre-season, told them what was going to be happening. And he says, come on, Jeff, how are we going to get around that? There was one famous incident in a game, I think it was Sunderland at Man United, where Man United had a free kick and just in excellent range for Beckham to get it up and over the wall. And um, was, was it Gavin McCann? Gavin McCann that used to play for Sunderland. Yeah, Gavin McCann, yeah. Yeah. Um, he just ran up and wellied the ball away so that he got a yellow card. The ball's moved 10 yards further forward, just outside the penalty area. And, of course, Becks couldn't get the ball up and over the wall. So, players being players, no matter what the laws are, they'll always find a way around them. Um, but, yeah, I think that law, it's a bit like I'm critical of VAR now because I don't think they used it to the best effect. That one, the stop descent, if they'd used it without necessarily having to apply a yellow card as a deterrent, I think it would have been a good good idea because you don't see it in rugby. Um, you don't see people criticise, you know, showing open dissent to the referees because they know it'll cost them, and that's yeah. the thing is they know it will cost them whether it's a and being moved forward or they get a sin bin or you know whatever. Yeah, but um, I think going, I think going football law like Beck, uh, uh, Jeff just just touched on it there for somebody like David Beckham or uh, somebody who's really good at free kicks. If you go closer towards a goal, you're getting punished as well a yeah, little bit. Exactly. That sometimes you need you need to be put in a David Beckham would have preferred 22, 25 yards out, where if he goes to 18, 16 yards, he can't get the ball up and over. He's got to go down a different technique. And it's see, just... What happens with the law changes is that when was t- when you were a footballer, Andy, when you were a footballer, when were you ever asked your opinion on what the law changes should be? Oh, never. Never. Ne- never. Ne- ne- when, was, when was a top manager ever asked his opinion? Yeah, when, never... was, when was a top referee ever asked? Mm. You know, there's people in these ivory towers that come out. I mean, some of the changes and some of the things. This kind of scenario this season about a handball, to be quite honest, I, I can't even quote it because I'm that bloody confused by it. Mm. You know, you, can, you can't score a goal if an attacker accidentally, the ball accidentally hits his hand on the way into a goal. 
but you don't get a penalty if it accidentally hits a defender on the line. And I'm thinking, who on earth, in the right mind, has complicated what was really a fairly straightforward, you know, situation? So, you know. The whole handball thing, though, Jeff, it just it, it, it annoys me when I see defenders defending with the hands behind the back, and you know, I mean, defenders need to be standing ready to ready to pounce, and if the ball hits, hits their arm, you're not going to intentionally flick the ball up and hit somebody in the arm if the hands are in, a, in an unnatural position. And that's the word. These kind of these kind of names and these kind of things that are being taken away and changed, it's just it just it just annoys me because when you if your body's in an unnatural position, and your hands are up in the air, it's handball. If, if it hits you on the arm and your arms by your side. What can you do? You can't. You can't define gravity. You've got to exactly. stop yourself from falling over. I, I, I agree. I mean, in my day, you had players like one of the first players, and I'm not blaming him for all the faults in the world, but one of the first defenders I thought that was very, very clever was John Terry. Because John Terry used to, you know, when people used to talk about Peter Smigel, he always, as a goalkeeper, which is his right, he always used to make himself bigger. When he came off the line, his arms were out. He made, he made the target for the attacking player smaller. And John Terry used to be, he was one of the first, and there's probably lots of others, when he ran out to block a shot, he sort of made himself bigger. Now, yeah. making yourself bigger is by extending your arms out away from your side. To me, that's a deliberate act. So if the ball... You know, if the ball is driven in and hits John Teddy, if I'm using him as an example, hits his arm that's been deliberately held a few couple of feet away from his body, fine. To me, give that as a penalty. But the other ones where, you know, the ball just flicks up off someone and hits somebody on the arm and it's a complete accident, I'm sorry. That's something. You know, yeah. don't forget, it says there's a very important word under my name on that title, X. And I'm now a fan. I'm the same as the people watching your show. I'm the same um, as, you know, Simon, who's a passionate fan. And that's what I've gone back to being. And I get all the grief when I'm watching football. You know, people are saying, why has he done that? I don't know. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there, Jeff, and I think, I think it's quite funny. I think it's quite funny, actually. Well, it's a question. Yeah, it's good. I love it. I love it. On on that note, uh, Mark Sherwood asks: uh, In the Champions League, you've got a ref, a linesman, fourth official, the officials behind the goal line. What is their jobs? Because no one seems to know. There's there's another scenario of something that could have been good, not yeah. being good, because they didn't use, in my opinion, those officials on the goal line. They didn't use them correctly. They didn't even have them, in my opinion, on the right side of the pitch. Because I, I, I remember ringing Howard Webb and saying, Howard, why have they got? Because you think of the Thierry, um, think of the Thierry Henry handball against um, the Republic of Ireland. That happens on the referee's blind side, on the left-hand side of the pitch. They have extra officials on the same side as the assistant referee so there's still no one covering that blind side and you know he told me why they did it because it was affecting the the, the patrol path of the referee and i'm thinking no 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 if you're gonna have to because the general consensus of fans and players is that those two blokes 
stood in the taxil bottoms with a little flag thing or whatever it was. What a waste of bloody time. Yeah. Didn't bring anything to the party. Well, Oh yeah, hundred percent, Jeff. Um, here's a kind of follow-up question, partly from me, and then I'm going to throw in a question which Gaz has just put in. But do you think by adding uh, the extra officials, you had the fourth official, those behind the line, then you add in technology, um, it's affected the referees' decision making because I feel like they're almost second guessing themselves because there's so many extra officials. So I don't know whether they hinder rather than help the referees that they're supposed to. Um, and Gaz asked, um, do you think VAR and technologies has made referees less forceful and brave in their decision-making? I agree with you entirely, Si, and I agree one of your hunters that um, asked the comment. Forget football for a minute. I know it's a football show, but watch a rugby league game, watch a cricket match, and now, because of this technology in the background, You've got officials, certainly in rugby league, not making decisions because, and, and why should they? If you've got a tele, you know, if I'm giving a decision in real time, I'm giving it. End of story, in my day, I've given it. I stand or fall by it. If match the day later on, proved I was wrong, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I'll hopefully learn from my mistake. But if I've got this technology behind me, is checking into things and can look at all these camera angles in slow motion, slow motion. I'm some sort of idiot and I'm going to put my neck on the line. Because if I insist that I am right and then technology proves that I'm wrong, what sort of fool am I? So you've got the match officials, I think, out there now, more or less adopted the stance of now to do with me, hang on a minute, let's wait tapping at the rear and doing all this collab, waiting to be told. So yes, I think some referees are not as brave as they would have been without the technology. Yeah. And that side of it, until they get use the technology to the benefit of the game, to get the wrong decisions, to get things that referees need help with, until they start using all of that correctly, um, I think we'll be having this conversation at the end of next season and the season after. Yeah. Um, I just hope they'll learn from... There's been a lot of mistakes. It's dead easy to be critical. Everybody everybody um, finds it easier to be critical than offer prayers nowadays. But maybe they've learned, hopefully they've learned from... But then have they learned because the other night they're watching football there in Europe and they, they went into some great dialogue about where the arm ends where it's a handball, what's the shoulder, and I'm just never scratching my head. Yeah. They're making a science out of something that was basically, it's a sport, it's something quite simple. Let's make it easy for fans to understand, whereas now it's just being turned into a, well, it's a political minefield every time there's an incident. I totally agree. I, I, I think as well, you just, just said it there, Jeff, about... Um, didn't need to be complicated as much as it is. So, you know, what I mean, why, why fix it? Why fix something if it's not broken, so to speak? And, um, it's annoyed me over over the course of time. You know, what I mean, being a centre forward, I wanted to see more goals, so that to give centre forwards um, um, the light of day, for example, with offsides. And now, and, and then VAR now is just killing centre forwards. So, I just what think they've gone back over now a little bit. You know, when you when you do this Q and A session, 
people used to say to me, what would you change? What would you change to make the game better? And I always used to say goal line technology, yeah, because it, it, it's vital, isn't it, goal, isn't it, a goal? And as we talked earlier about the Aston Villa Sheffield United game, crucial in, in the context of any game of football. I would have sin bins in because then instead of a player getting suspended against someone else two months down the line, you know, if you were a team that's kicking lumps out of the opposition, I'd have sin bins because then the people who were getting lumps kicked out of them, they stand a better chance of getting some benefit on the day. And the other thing I'd do, and I'm, I'm really flabbergasted that this hasn't happened, because it's all about money and sponsorship. I'd have a stadium clock that's just like in basketball, ice hockey, and many other sports that's in a countdown. So instead of arguing how long is to go and blaming the referee and it should have been more time and Fergie having to look at his watch every five minutes, there should could be a stadium clock that when the game stopped, it stopped. When it's restarted, it's restarted. And then there's no arguments about Because that's still, people still whinge on about, you know, the referee's added on too much, he hasn't added on enough. To me, they're little minor tweaks, Andy. But the other thing I say about football, and you said there, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Football was around a hell of a long time before any of us. Mm. And most certainly and hopefully, Football will still be around a long time after any of us. So they must be doing more right than they're doing wrong. Yeah. At the moment, we just seem to be complicating the beautiful game. We seem to be taking some of the fun for fans, for players, for everybody, and even for officials out of it. You know, and the sooner we get back, give the referees hell where it's justified. But now, you know, and I mean, my pet hate at the moment, and I know I'm wrong, offside is offside, but to me, we should go back to when there's daylight. And yeah. You as a centre forward would agree with it. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, we've seen some wonderful goals. I mean, you think the one that I come back to the Man City Tottenham Champions League, because it's semi final. Yeah, um, right, there, right there, Jeff. Yeah. We've got a winner there from Sterling, a winner, and then he's part of his tour. Offside. Now, by the letter of the law, that is right. By the letter of my law, that's killing the game. And I just, yeah. I, I think nine, most people would never agree with a referee. But I tell you something: ninety-nine point nine percent of fans, I think, would agree with me on that one. Um, you know, we're, we're not using technology to its best effect, and Ooh. we're harming the game rather than helping it. So the other thing as well is the Premier League is not even using VAR the way that FIFA has told exactly. everybody to use it. So, And that I find that infuriating. I find that really arrogant from the Premier League that they think, uh, oh, we know better, so we'll just do it our way. We'll do it this way because this is the way that we should do it. But while the rest of Europe, the referee goes and checks the screen at the side of the pitch and, you know, all this different stuff, it is infuriating. I um, agree why the Premier League or the authorities in this country won't allow them. Because that, again, taking the referee side, I think at times that harms our referees because, you know, if we if they're not doing and practising the way that FIFA and 
way for wanting to go. Are our guys going to get the top games in Europe? Um, just surely, I, I know that Anthony Taylor was refereeing one of the um, finals of the Champions League the other night. Surely, because it's that tournament, he has got to use the screen, he has got to do it the way that is happening across the rest of Europe. And why we. I think the main reason that they were saying that people were winning that there was all these stoppages and the stoppages were too long. But wouldn't you rather wait for three minutes to get the decision right than rush something in 30 seconds to get it wrong? It just doesn't make sense to me. So, And we don't see, unless we're not listening to the right TV programme, we don't see or hear as much controversy about VAR in other leagues I've got to be honest, um, I think uh, technology in cricket has made cricket better. Um, same in rugby league, same in rugby union. In football, I would be happy to, which is ironic because we were discussing the failure of goal line technology, I'd be happy to go back to just goal line technology and... Um, you know, just uh, some sort of extra officials by the gold line or something like that. I would quite happily get rid of VAR. I think it, it takes away more than it gives in terms of helping football as a viewing thing, as a fan, as a as anything. I don't think it's... I just don't like it. <laughs> I think it takes away more than, than it gives. I hate to say this, but, you know, you when I started off, beginning of the show, cross-swords, flagging at each other, disagreements about Mark Vattenberg. The longer it's gone on, I'm agreeing with virtually everything you're saying. And the reason I think uh, that... Don't, don't finish like this, Jeff. No, let's have one more thing. <laughs> no, I think the reason I'm agreeing with you... because I'm right. ...is because... <laughs> oh, the arrogance is you. I don't you, isn't it? Don't be arrogant. I think the reason we agree is because whether whether you're a player, whether you're a referee or whether you're a fan, we're all fans. And if yeah. all of us if all of us are saying the same thing, surely they could do this differently, surely they could do this better, then yeah. I'm sorry but I don't think we're all wrong. No, no. I agree. Nice spot on. I agree. Um, okay, Jeff, to finish off, we're going to go for, uh, it's a little slight, normally we do Magnificent Seven, but we're going to go with question time. Uh, so me and Andy are going to take, uh, take it in turns to ask you sort of questions, just give us a quick answer to each one, and uh, no no passing allowed. Okay, uh, question time with Jeff Winter. Jeff, what is your favourite and least favourite uh, referees of all time and why? Cool. I like George Courtney from the northeast of England. Um, no, I like George. Shout. Brilliant guy, George. Um, was very uh, helpful to me in my early days. So I'll put George Courtney up there with the best. Um, oh, in a dressing room, not everybody gets on well together. I agree. In my, in my day, not all of us got on well together. And let's just say, Graham Paul and I weren't the best of mates. 
<laughs> now that doesn't surprise me. There's a little song to go with that, but I better stick with that here. <laughs> right, my go, Jeff. Right, so I, I think we we might know the answer to this unless unless you've been hired this game. But what's the biggest game you've ever refereed? Um, it's got to be the FA Cup final, you know. Um, there was bit better games, and um, but from a referee's point of view in this country, you only normally until this year, you, you only ever get the FA Cup final once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's probably the FA Cup final. Uh, did you ever make a high-profile mistake and realise during the game? I refereed for 25 years at all levels and I don't recall ever making a mistake, really. Um, you know, I mean, every decision that... No, I think I was lucky. You know, there, there are certain referees, I mean, obviously, Polly is remembered for his three yellow cards and another referee sort of go to the grave with an incident that's labelled against them. I think I just made millions of little mistakes. Millions. <laughs> <laughs> and people listening tonight will probably say it was more than that. I like that. I don't think I ever made, unless of course your listeners can quote example dates and times from nineteen eighty three or something. I don't think I ever made a massive headline posting. No. I just made millions of little ones. Believe me, Jeff, they would have let you know about it. They let me know about misses, penalty misses, red cards, all sorts of. Yeah, don't, don't worry about it. They let you know. Uh, and finally, Jeff, what was Roy Keane like to referee? Uh, challenge. But Roy Keane was the best way to sum up Roy Keane was Have you seen Roy Keane on the television lately? Yes. Keane is a complex character. Um, mm -hmm. In his book side, I would say he was an absolute utter winner. He was focused on anything and everything on the game. Did I ever have any banter with him? No. In fact, I think the longest conversation I ever had with Roy Keane was when he was captain of Man United. Before the game, he'd say heads or tails. And that was about as in-depth conversation I ever had mm -hmm. with him. Great football. A winner, um, but he wasn't. You know, when we talked earlier about the banter and the crap that helped the referee man manage yeah. the game, well, you have to work on other Man United players because you were never going to get any banter and crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Roy Keane, yeah, no, brilliant, great so, answers. Um, Jeff, really, really appreciate you coming on, my friend. I, was, yeah. I enjoyed that thoroughly, loved it, loved it. Also, going to get plenty of clips from that, I think. Plenty Sorry, of clips. <laughs> it was payback, Jeff. I think payback from him. Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Football fans don't hold grudges. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. No, I enjoyed it, and uh, we'll be back on Monday with uh, a live show, seven thirty, Andy Cannon football show with ex Middlesbrough Scotland international Robbie Stockdale. Of course, big thank you to Black Diamond Sports. And uh, Bespoke Financial, of course, check all the links and everything in the description. Check out their stuff, check out their websites. Really good companies to help you out, depending on what you need. Subscribe, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. We had had a busy week of shows. Seven in seven days, I believe it was, or eight, maybe even eight. Of, uh, just shows on all sorts. Cricket, football, uh, some really top guests. Had some of the biggest names in cricket. Um, okay. 
Andy, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, I'll see you Monday. Indeed, and uh, we'll have another different fun show next Friday before the championship season starts. So keep an eye out on social media for announcements. Cardiff City fans, keep an eye out on the Ace Podcast Nation channel. You might see something interesting dropping soon, which is something completely different. Whoa. But we will see. And but Leslie just said 4-1 to Bayern Munich. Um, everybody... Thank you for joining us, Jeff. It's been an absolute honour. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about the Stork Financial Seaside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance would protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Podcast Network.